Paul Purity, uh, Managing Director of uh, Caesars Family Stores Group and I'm um, the President of the Griffith Business Chamber. This is an unusual day here in Griffith because uh, for the beginning of autumn, for it to be very cool like it is today and uh, overcast, yeah. uh, that's not common at all. Uh, it's been rumoured that we are one of the sunniest places on earth. I'm not sure if we really are. I don't, I don't think there's any statistics that actually show that. But from locals like myself who have lived here all our lives, we certainly do have a lot more sunlight than most other areas. And it's really clear blue skies. It's quite unusual. And then uh, at night, uh, our star uh, line is, is, is something to behold, really. I'm Courtney Carthy, and this is Rewired, a look at new large-scale solar farms around Australia. The Australian Renewable Energy Agency, also known as ARENA, on behalf of the Australian government, announced around $90 million in funding for 12 large-scale solar projects following a competitive round. After years of planning, construction is finally underway. This episode, we're in Griffith, New South Wales, and yes, like Paul said, it's a bit overcast, a bit blustery, but still T-shirt weather. I did check with the Bureau of Meteorology about the sunny claim. That's one to live on as a rumour. Griffith, the small city on the northwestern edge of the Riverina district, is getting a brand new large-scale solar farm. If you're listening for the first time, welcome and thanks for downloading. This is episode two of our trip across some of Australia's large-scale solar projects successful in receiving funding from ARENA. The first episode came from much further up north in North Queensland at the Kidston Solar Farm. Currently, like this one in Griffith, it's under construction and drawing on the local area for services, hospitality and sunny days. A quick aside, if you're listening on a podcast app, please subscribe, leave a review and at any time you can find out more about renewable energy in Australia by going to arena.gov.au. Down the road from Paul's shops, about seven kilometres out of town, is a property next to the solar farm site. I turned up to the front door and asked for a chat. Um, do you mind if I sit on this? Okay, Gloria Badoko. Great. And what sort of farm is this, Gloria? Well, it's a rice. We grow rice, wheat, um, oats and a bit of canola. Gloria's husband, John, and their son are out harvesting at the moment. As they harvest the rice, he mulches. He cuts it all up. So it's easier to burn it off. Gloria and John have lived here for 48 years, but the land has been in the family for over 60. Next door to their house is the site where a new solar farm will be built on part of their property. It's being developed by Neowen, a renewable energy developer who has been talking about a solar farm nearby for years. They approached us about five years ago um, about it and then nothing was done. Um, so they just asked us if we'd keep them in mind. And then um, last year, because they were waiting for the government to give them a grant on this um, on these solar farms, they've got three going at the moment, one in Parks and one in Dubbo. The boys are happy because then, see, what happens is, you know, they've got our land, but we can still utilise our water, which is good for us because water's a big issue. The grant Gloria mentioned is $4.5 million from Arena, about 10% of the total cost. This public investment helps get the Griffith Solar Farm commercially viable. Parks and Dubbo, we'll get to them in coming episodes. 
In Griffith, you could be forgiven for thinking that there were more irrigation channels than streets once you get off the main road. It's an extremely water-intensive farming area. Ben Jones, uh, the editor at the Area News in Griffith. I think water is the number one in the uh, the Murrumbidgee irrigation area uh, at the moment and generally has been for a long time. Um, I think the, the prospects of the town um, is generally coupled with how how well farmers are going with the water situation. And with the growth in local agribusiness comes increased demand for local infrastructure. Paul from the business chamber celebrates the area's success but says services like electricity have to keep up. One winery in Griffith, which is Gasella Family Brands, uh, they produce yellowtail and just outside of my shop here a train goes past each day with 70 20-foot containers of wine a day, seven days a week, all year round, leaving to the US, which is Yellowtail, which is now found everywhere in the world. And, you know, a massive success story for uh, the Casella family here in Griffith, you know, who now have over 2,000 staff at their winery. And that winery is growing to a point where the winery on its own uses more power than the whole town of Narendra. And they can't get any more power. They need further infrastructure investment to deliver more power so they can expand. They're, they're growing rapidly. They've now grown very strongly into uh, beer, the beer market, especially craft beers with a joint venture with Coca-Cola. They're looking to go grow that into a massive export brand as well. Um, so, you know, there's huge opportunity here, but unfortunately we're not seeing the infrastructure in to support that. When completed, the Griffith Solar Farm may offer some of the support Paul is after, and it aligns with the clean, green reputation so important to the region's customers. There is no doubt that areas like Griffith have become, you know, the preferred food and fibre supplier to the world. We're recognised, very well recognised globally as having, you know, the highest quality clean and green produce and fibre. Um, brands like Sunrise uh, in Leeton here, uh, you know, are, are an example of, of a global success story where with, uh, you know, the majority of the rice that we're growing here being sold at a massive premium into Asian markets, uh, uh, you know, because it's known to be a better product. And we know we can produce better quality and it's a highly uh, recognised uh, brand to premium buyers in other markets and those markets are growing rapidly. So our potential in this area is, is huge. When it's switched on later this year, the Griffith Solar Farm will offset emissions equivalent to 20,000 cars or 66,000 tonnes of CO2 per annum and it could power around 11,000 homes. For now, the solar farm looks like an empty paddock squashed between the highway and Gloria's house, the only difference being a brand new barbed wire fence. Yeah, a lot of people have asked me, we're we growing hemp, you know, like um, controlled, you know, for the government or whatever it is. Yeah, no, a lot of people have asked us because they've seen the big fence go up, see? Town's yep. going to benefit from it. Like, even now, they need 80, I think it is, or 88 electricians in one hit. Obviously, as the panels go up, they must have to have the electricians. But, I mean, you know, the motels all benefit from it. The restaurants will benefit from it. So, yeah, the town's going to benefit. Gloria mentioned Chris. He was their contact at Neo and the Renewable Energy Company, and he stayed in touch over the years the project had been jumping through the necessary hoops. Chris is really nice. We've had a lot to do with Chris over the years, a lot to do with him. 
Um, we don't have as much to do with him anymore now because he's finished that. But he comes down and he'll still call in or give us a call and, you know, we'll go out for tea. But um, now it's a guy called, I think, Walter. What? No, I'm not real sure. Uh, my name is uh, Warren Wu. I'm the construction project manager for um, Neo in Australia. I've done many before um, and I've done ones in the US also. Warren's in town for a community meeting this evening. He says the funding provided by Arena after the competitive round helped Neowen get going sooner rather than later to get the timing right. And sometimes time can kill, right? <laughs> can kill a project. So um, I, I think it, it definitely was a very good move um, that we, we had this process, this competitive bid. Um, uh, otherwise, we, we, we wouldn't know um, what projects and uh, when they would come off the ground. And it's, it's a delay, right? Mm. And it just means more carbon dioxide yeah. <laughs> in, in the world, right? Yeah. I think what we're, what we're seeing right now is, is a bit of a, a group parity. And, and what I mean by that is that solar price has has gone down dramatically and with this uh, bid process with uh, through arena the bid competitive bid it, we've seen a dramatic decrease which is amazing um, it's uh, I think it's a it's been a very successful um, uh, program that arena has put in um, and we've seen that even uh, right now with the right right, right type of um, projects uh, we're seeing that the funding isn't even even needed right. to, 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 to extend so that means that we're competitive competitive with all these other uh, uh, you know traditional um, energy sources mm. uh, that we're hoping to, to sort of um, phase uh, out as much as possible uh, and go to clean energy on site with Warren is Chris Todd a tall guy in jeans and has a goatee I'm from Boyd Constructions and uh, I'm the site supervisor for the solar farm. It's uh, just on 112,000 solar panels. Quite a daunting fact when you get 112 solar panels to get put in somewhere. It does kind of add up somewhere but it will slowly chip away and get them installed and uh, yeah hopefully that, that won't be a problem. Uh, our peak workload will be between 80 and 100 people. Then uh, we'll probably then look at about uh, oh, pre preliminary We'll have about 20 or 30 people doing civil works and um, some other bits and pieces around the place. Uh, then the piles uh, be two machines, possibly three machines, with uh, probably work crew of three people per machine. So nine nine machines, um, uh, nine people working around on the machine. So yeah, quite a. It's not highly labour intensive, but uh, when we start to get to the technical end, when all the panels are installed and we have a whole lot of sparkies running around and running cable and wiring things up, so. That'll be quite a tedious little job on 112,000 panels. I know the solar panel, uh, the solar panels themselves have, have come quite far in the last 10-15 uh, years. So what uh, originally was uh, a good idea with a solar panel, if we all can remember 15-20 years ago when they first started coming out in, in various forms. On calculators. Yeah, yeah. And now, now we're looking at them on everyone's roofs and now these these panels that are going on here are and the next generation of solar panels so they they can as far as i've been told and i, I shouldn't really be quoted but uh, they can even generate some form of power with a uh, full moon so this might seem fanciful but we'll find some evidence in future episodes that during a full moon at night at least a tiny bit of charge can register on the solar panels but back to chris and griffith some form of power with a uh, full moon so they're that far advanced and um, they're quite strong. They can handle a lot of hail and things like that. So uh, our techno technology is progressing in, in such a way that these panels are now uh, far greater than what they were. I think we now need to start looking at the uh, 
the storage of, of the power. Um, so we start looking at the battery generation and, and all that type of thing. I think that will be the next generation of solar panels. Chris is talking about one element of renewable energy technology that teams of people are working away at feverishly. To date, Arena has funded projects working on a solution. There's plenty of info on the website, arena.gov.au. At this stage, those parts of town who know about the brand new large-scale solar farm seem pretty chuffed. Yes, my name's Greg Lawrence. I'm the Manager of Tourism and Economic Development for the Griffith City Council. I pulled him out of the solar farm community meeting at the Griffith Theatre. Uh, the initial build stage, of course, 120-odd people, uh, and most of these are, are being uh, sourced from locally. Uh, I know the organisation has um, has been using a list that I've supplied, so it's fantastic to see the local economy being stimulated. And, of course, then it's the ongoing uh, maintenance of, of the of the project. But more importantly, it's it's about sending a good, clear message that Griffith is alive and open and, we- and ready for business. So uh, we're, great. we're very pleased to have an organisation like has come to town. So how many more solar farms do you want? Oh look we've, we've got plenty of uh, open spaces so we'll take as many as, as, we, as we can accommodate so uh, it's uh, I mean uh, yeah, when we think about uh, Australia with, with you know we've got a Mediterranean climate here in Griffith um, nine months of the year it's, it's, it, there's plenty of sunshine although I know you don't need a lot of sun to get these things going so I, look I think it sends a good message and I know the, the boys have been showing me their plans of how they've aesthetically um, uh, landscaped the area so it sits in situ with, with the environment so I think it's fantastic. Also at the meeting is a local contractor, Tom Armstrong, from Armstrong's Plant Hire. His company has picked up a six-week contract with the solar farm constructing internal roads. So we're, we're one of the longest-running earth movers around town, a few other people around, but we're the third generation now, so it's me and my brother that have stepped up in the role now. So. Was it a bit of a surprise, or you see a mob like this rolling into town, you think, we reckon we can do that? Yeah, no, it's, oh, we're, we're a pretty big company now. Um, we've grown to sort of adapt to these bigger companies now, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, we've we seen, we seen it come up and we thought this is probably perfect for up our alley with the um, gravel and the road base and, yeah, just doing the earthwork side of things, which suits us down to the ground. Back at his furniture store, Paul Puretti from the Griffith Business Chamber maintains his advocacy for the local industry and decentralisation of services. Yeah, what we'd like to see is these energy production uh, capabilities being able to supply locally and that being able to do that more competitively because they don't have the losses over transmission and they don't have all the infrastructure costs in trying to deliver. Mm. So, you know, I think that that would be... Like, if you want to create a decentralisation strategy, there's a great one. Allow the industries that are booming in the area to be more cost-effective by having affordable and deliverable power so that they can grow and they will employ more people. Next episode will be in Parks, New South Wales, home of the DISH, the CSIRO radio telescope made famous by the film One Thing to Know About Parks. If you have to meet someone for a coffee at 6.30am, a certain fast food restaurant is the only place to go. There's nowhere else at this time of morning. <laughs> This is where all good meetings are held. And not too long after, I get lost trying to find the Parks Solar Farm site. Dennis Jones. G'day, Dennis. And um, uh, this is Bogengate? Right. What's it like? Great. Quiet. Yep. <laughs> Except when somebody turns <laughs> up. That's exactly right, yeah. Um, <laughs> and Park's in the middle of your street. Oh, well, don't worry about it. There's not much traffic coming past here. <laughs> The running tally on what the solar farms we've visited will generate is already impressive. So far, between Kidston and Griffith Solar Farms, 
when they're completed, they'll generate enough power for 27,000 homes. And that amount of solar energy saves over 180,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere each year. Do subscribe on your podcasting app and find out more by going to arena.gov.au. We'd love to get a review from you. I'm Courtney Carthy and thanks for listening to Rewired. Talk to you next time from Parks in New South Wales.